Hello and welcome to Tea and Chat, the British English podcast that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Hello listeners and happy Friday. I bet you are very excited for the weekend. Uh, wherever you are, or perhaps you took a long weekend, like I know some of my students did. (laughs) I am feeling great today. I'm in a good mood. This Monday, where I live, we had our first snowfall. So literally from morning all the way throughout the night, it was snowing non-stop, and I just love it. Yesterday, we had temperatures of minus 14, but I think it's going to warm up to closer to zero for the rest of the week so it's not too cold but when it's snowing it's just so peaceful like literally when it's just snowing and the whole day it's just snow 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 I feel like the world just goes silent it feels like everything is so quiet and so peaceful and I just it's really hard to describe, but it's, it is truly magical, you know? People associate the snow with Christmas and like a magical kind of feeling and a magical kind of time. And I totally understand why. I mean, it's lovely to look at afterwards and it brightens everything up because in autumn, everything can get very dark and dull. And especially if you don't have snow in winter, it's a very dark time very gloomy, but I feel like the snow really just helps to brighten everything up. You have to actually wear sunglasses sometimes because it is literally that bright. I suppose actually being outside in the cold isn't so pleasant for most people, uh, but when you're inside and you have the heating on and you can get a nice hot chocolate and warm up and just look at it (laughs) from a warm perspective, it is truly nice and like I said, especially when it's actually snowing. So today's episode is going to be that episode of the month where I just click on the lifestyle section of the news website, in this case, The Guardian, because I love The Guardian, and just see what pops out to me, read a couple articles and go through them with you because I think they can be truly random um, but very entertaining. And I like to go through these type of articles as well with my students, like I said, because the language is usually a lot more useful, to put it truthfully. A lot of the times when you're reading news articles, the language can be very formal, and there may be just a wide range of vocabulary in that article that isn't really used commonly in spoken English, so you probably wouldn't hear it. Whereas with the lifestyle articles, they're usually a bit more casual and laid back, and I think you can find a better variety of vocabulary and expressions in there. So I've picked two articles for today. And the first one is because of my current situation. Right now, I have some cookies baking in the oven. And I'm very excited because, first of all, I actually had enough free time to decide to bake cookies. (laughs) I love baking, but I haven't had, I don't know, a good amount of free time for a long time. Right now, I've had quite a nice quiet day. I finished listing the items in my shop for now. So I was like, great, how do I spend this free time? Well, I'm going to bake some cookies. I love baking and I used to bake a lot last year especially, but like I said, I've just been so busy with other things that I haven't even thought about it. However, there is one minuscule problem. I never check if I have the ingredients before I start baking. 
So usually I just look at the recipe. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I have those ingredients. You know, they're common ingredients, flowers, eggs, sugar. Yeah, of course I have those in the house. So I just start putting things together, da 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 And then I notice, crap, I'm missing one vital ingredient because I didn't check first. So I should probably make this a habit of mine. Uh, before you start baking, you know, take out everything, make sure you have everything. It's probably very good advice. But like I said... I just don't do this. And so I was, I'd started mixing the sugar and the butter and the flour and everything. And I was like, great, now I just need to add the eggs. Darn it, I don't have eggs. What am I going to do? <sighs> I don't want to go out, it's cold. <laughs> I was so determined to make these cookies that I just decided to walk to the corner shop and pick up some eggs. Uh, the first shop I went into, it was very fun, and I say that sarcastically, because I must have picked up almost 10 different containers of eggs, and inside each box, the eggs were broken, or there was at least one broken egg inside each box. So you can imagine my frustration. I decided to leave this corner shop, <laughs> and I went to a local butcher, which actually had eggs too. So it ended up working out just fine. And I think my cookies are almost done now. So I'll probably be taking a break to go and take them out of the oven and I'll let you know how they smell and how they taste. <laughs> but of course, uh, don't worry, there won't be a break for you. You won't even notice the time passing. Isn't that great? Uh, so this article that I picked is related to baking. I will link the articles on my website so that you can have a look at them too. Um, so where I usually put the transcript, I will link the articles. And this article is titled, Homemade Christmas Baking is a Joy, even if it is not to your taste. Now, I don't want to start talking about Christmas too early. I imagine a lot of my listeners don't even celebrate Christmas. But truly, uh, I don't think I've spoken about Christmas on the podcast before because I started the podcast in spring this year. So I'm going to make the most of the opportunity to talk about it because it is my favourite holiday and one of my favourite times of the year. And people here are already talking about Christmas. It's mid-November. I've already had a few conversations regarding Christmas and Christmassy things with friends. So I don't think it's too early. I mean, in the episode that's coming in two weeks, I'll probably get into a lot more detail. I did just pick this because like I said, I'm baking cookies, which by the way, have just come out of the oven and smell delicious. Hopefully they taste good too. <laughs> but I figured I could just sneak it in there. It's only one of the articles for today, so I'm sure it's fine. Now, I'm not a professional baker by any means. I would be curious to know if any of my listeners enjoy baking, especially if you enjoy baking for like a particular holiday, a particular time of the year. And I think Christmas baking is just something that is quite popular. So that's what this article kind of tries to get into. They talk about Christmas puddings and Christmas cakes. And they say that the smell alone when you are baking just helps to make you prepared for the upcoming festivities, which I can agree. So as they mentioned in the article, there are shops that sell candles and body and bath, things like that. We have a specific shop here called Bath and Body Works that is famous for doing this. And they come out with all these candles that smell 
like pine trees which is like our christmas trees or they smell like freshly baked cookies or gingerbread man and basically just a large variety of different festive scents so the author of this article says they've tried to replicate the smell of christmas baking with candles but the scent alone doesn't seem particularly edible so what they mean by that is well they can't eat it afterwards but also perhaps it smells quite artificial um, you know these candles, They even if they did a simple scent like strawberries, they don't normally smell like real strawberries, you know, it's that artificial scent. So that's why they said that they like to bake, even though they don't actually like to eat what they've baked, which is quite strange. Some of the Christmassy desserts that we eat perhaps aren't always so popular. So the most popular food or the most traditional uh, dessert at Christmas in the UK is Christmas pudding. And they don't actually have this Christmas pudding in America or Canada. It's a specifically British thing to have. And it's kind of similar to a fruitcake, but not exactly the same because it's not really got a cakey texture. <laughs> so I do suggest that you search this and have a look at what I mean. But what we do is we usually pour some alcohol on it, like some brandy, and then we set it on fire so that everyone around the table has something entertaining to look at and to go ooh over. So yeah, a lot of people don't actually particularly like the taste of this cake because it is fruit. It's not like a chocolate sponge or something. But I, I really, really do enjoy it with some cream. It's absolutely delicious. And again, the re another reason why I'm mentioning this, because when I was even in the UK last month, at the beginning of September, I saw the supermarkets were already full of all of these Christmas foods. So I made sure to pick up a Christmas pudding of my own to take home with me to Canada because they are quite heavy and also just very, very expensive if I was to try and buy it here, which I did last year. So I made sure I have one because they last a very long time. You can keep them in a cupboard for over a year, I, I believe, because they actually need to kind of not ferment, that would be the incorrect word, but to sit <laughs> for a long period of time uh, before they become really delicious. Anyway, the other food that this article mentions are delicious mince pies. And often when people hear this and they don't know what it is, they think that we mean like mince as in beef. Like this is normally what we call mince, like mince meat. And this is also called mince meat, but it's not related to meat at all. Um, it's just like a mixture of, again, different kind of uh, fruits like raisins and brown sugar. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's this kind of fruity mixture that we put inside little mini sweet pies. So often people get a bit scared, like, oh my gosh, mince pies? That sounds disgusting. How is that a dessert if it has meat inside? Well, no, there is no meat inside, it's fruit. And again, you could have it warmed up, you can have it cold, you can have it with a little bit of cream. Often we have these in our house just sitting around, so if you're feeling a little bit peckish, you can just take one to have something to snack on. So this article suggests that you start your preparations for Christmas early in October, but they do warn you that there must be a tipping point when fruitcake stops getting better and starts getting worse. Because like I said, fruitcake goes through this process where you leave it for a long time uh, to soak and it, it gets tastier and tastier. But uh, a tipping point means the point where 
things start to go wrong. So you can imagine things start to tilt or to tip. And so the tipping point is usually when things start to go wrong. So they say there must be a tipping point when fruit stops getting better and eventually starts getting worse, which I'm sure is completely accurate. But if you are feeling particularly organized, then why not go ahead and start your baking early? I don't do this because, you know, I don't have like a family of 10 people coming over to my house for Christmas. Just small gatherings, I might bake some small things like Christmas cookies, maybe mince pies before the big day, but I definitely don't prepare these months in advance because they would definitely go off. So this article just goes on to talk about some of the recipes and chefs that they recommend for baking these Christmas desserts. I won't go into much more detail because like I said, I'm going to save Christmas more for the episode that you can expect in two weeks. So I will start heading over to my next article now. But like I said, if you want to give that first one a read, I highly suggest it. I will link it on my website. The person is quite comedic in the way that they are writing. So you should be able to notice a few kind of jokes or sarcastic comments if you look carefully. So watch out for those. But let's move on to the next article. And let me start by reading you the title of this article. Forget the evil stepmother, why step-parents are often at the heart of a happy family. So this article is all about step-families, as you may be able to tell from the title. And it's something that hits close to home for me, because at least I grew up having both a stepmother and a stepfather. And it's definitely one of those tricky but very interesting topics to discuss. So this article definitely caught my eye because I was intrigued to know which direction they were headed with it. And actually the majority of the article is just giving lots of different examples, different cases, um, and people's experiences growing up with step families. And um, discussing this with a couple of my students, it's just interesting all the different perspectives that you could look at. You can look at it from the children's perspective, from the parents' perspective. And you could even apply it to if you have parents-in-law and kind of see how it would affect them or compare it to that situation too. Just looking at the beginning of the article here, they say, tales of wicked stepmothers may be common in storybooks. So often we have this wicked stepmother, which is like an evil stepmother in fairy tales, for example, even in Disney movies, if there is a stepmother like in Cinderella, they are the evil stepmother and evil stepsisters. So there's this kind of common perception that if you have step parents or a step family that perhaps you won't have such a great relationship, which is really sad, I think. Of course, every situation is unique and it is quite complex. Some people get step-parents maybe when they are very young, perhaps at an age where they don't even remember them coming into their lives, for example, if they are like three or four years old, and others maybe when they're a little bit older, between the ages of eight and 10, when they are teenagers even, and then when they're adults. So if you're the child in this situation, then it will affect you differently, perhaps depending on your age. And if you are the adult, then I guess it depends if you are the one kind of taking on the new family or whether you are the one having a partner come into your family and how you would kind of perceive the situation and adapt to deal with the situation. So it was lovely in this article, they gave quite a few examples of families that had quite close bonds 
Um, so after this sentence about wicked stepmothers, they say, this is often a far cry from reality. And far cry, it just means very, very far away from the truth. So this is very far from the truth. This is far from reality. In fact, the step parents are not often wicked or evil. And they go on to say that many children develop close bonds with their mom or dad's new partner. And close bonds, we mean like close relationships, close connections or ties with that new parent in their life. Um, whether they see them as a parent or not. So sometimes maybe the children are happy to call them mom or dad, even if they are not biologically their mother or father. And sometimes perhaps it's more common to just call them by their name. So from my own personal experience, I grew up living with my mother and having a stepfather from perhaps around the age of six or seven. It was a very usual situation for me. And I also had a stepmother from around a similar age except I didn't see my stepmother so much because she lived in America. And it can definitely be a hard adjustment to get used to as a child, um, having this new person just enter your life. And especially as you become a teenager, perhaps as a teenager, you could view it even more negatively. Um, I think it depends if the child still also has a mother or father, because if they still have a dad who they see, uh, then they won't probably want to call the stepfather their dad and vice versa, the same for mum. If they still have a mum in their life, they won't probably want to call the stepmom mum. I guess it really depends. <laughs> you can definitely have two or three moms and dads if you want to, but I find that's often the case that you will call them by their first name. And sadly as well, children may just have a false perception of that step-parent step-parent takes them out to go shopping or buys them some nice treats, they might just automatically uh, assume this person is like super amazing or they just don't get to see the whole picture when you're a child. So there could be that kind of positive effect, but that could quite easily upset your, your mom or your dad if you are saying, wow, my stepmom is way better than you. She, she buys me all these things. She lets me do all these cool things you know, that could really upset them. And there's kind of perhaps the underlying uh, element of jealousy there that could develop that perhaps the step-parents are getting to spend more time with your children than you are. And that could be quite upsetting. So like I said, it's a very complex web of things, but I'd be really interested to know your opinion on this. If you've had a step-family, um, how you got along with them. So I'd love if you would respond to this podcast, send me a message at Tea and Chat Podcast on Instagram or at British English Tutor on Instagram. And just let me know your thoughts, what you feel about this. Again, I will link this article as well on my website so you can give it a read. And let me know if you would prefer for me to just talk about these articles and the topic in a general way, or if you would prefer for me to really break it apart and pull out all of the key vocabulary and go through that one by one with you. Because I'm trying to combine a little bit of both. And today I had two articles, so I don't want to spend too much time on either. But especially this last one, it's quite an interesting topic that I could definitely go into more detail in the future if you want. But for today, I'm just going to leave it there and see if I can get your thoughts on what you think of step families and if you've been in this situation yourself. So that's it for this week's episode of Tea and Chat. 
I'll be back next week with my first student interview. I have a lovely, lovely special guest who will be coming on next week to do that first interview. And I'm very, very excited to share that with you. So remember next Friday, you get to hear the first interview that I'm going to have with one of my students. And trust me, you do not want to miss it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend wherever you are and make sure to tune in next time. Goodbye.